What's going on, everybody? Another week of State of Bitcoin. This is week ending February 4th, 2022. We are filming this on Thursday, the 3rd. Uh, we're sitting at Bitcoin price of $36,985. I'm here with my co-host, Brandon. What's going on, Brandon? What up, what up? Not much, you know, living the dream out here in Florida. It was a beautiful day, 85 and sunny. So, you know, just, just another day in paradise, Dan. How about you? It is about 45 and raining here. Been raining all day, so absolutely miserable. <laughs> Sounds great. Sounds like uh, you made the right choice to live up there, huh? Uh, it's not too bad. I don't know. What uh, What should we talk about? Let's talk Bitcoin. Is, I feel like last week there was so much news that this week we've had a few things come out, but it's just not as... It's not as popping. I feel like more people are paying attention to the general market, especially today with everything that's happened, like Amazon coming in late to save the market. Um, yeah, but exactly. But let's uh, let's 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 talk Bitcoin. Let's start with um, we'll start with Fidelity, and then we'll go into what Arc re- released too. So Arc last week and Fidelity this week both released reports on Bitcoin, and. Uh, I guess we'll start with Fidelity. So Fidelity released a paper called Bitcoin First, in which the the two co-authors, um, their analysts for Fidelity Digital Assets, which is owned by Fidelity or is part of Fidelity, uh, basically argue that Bitcoin should be treated separately from all their cryptocurrencies. And the paper is actually a, a really great, I don't know if you've had a chance to sit down and read the whole thing yet, but the uh, paper is actually a really great, like partially technical partially very easy to digest uh, overview of Bitcoin and why it shouldn't be treated as crypto, right? You and I both know this. You talk to people, someone comes up to you and asks you about crypto and you say, well, I'm in Bitcoin. And they say, oh yes, yeah, so you are in crypto. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, they're not exactly the same thing. So uh, yeah, well, they, they argue that Bitcoin is a, is a superior monetary good, that it should be treated as such. Um, and yeah, they also say that it's a great entry point for investors looking to add some exposure to the general cr- cryptocurrency um, kind of area. And yeah, let's let's just jump into that. Did you get a chance to read the full paper or, or look over um, generally the things that were included? Yeah, so I was able to to look through it and thumb through it a little bit, and and I agree with your point one hundred percent. I think it was like super easy to to digest. It's not too technical. They kind of do it in like a presentation type format, uh, so it's not exactly like as intimidating as like here's a white paper. You know what I'm saying? To kind of like understand or anything like that. They broke it down very well, um, and I was honestly kind of surprised. I know you know Fidelity is. Uh, tried to get a spot Bitcoin ETF filed and and things like that. Um, But to be honest, I I kind of pegged Fidelity and all these other companies to be more of like a general crypto realm instead of like differentiating like that. Uh, So I'm, I'm for one really encouraged by this. Um, It shows that they're not only taking a deep dive into uh, Bitcoin and I guess the greater crypto world and whatnot, um, but they're also, you know, taking the time to deeply understand both the Bitcoin technology, the purpose behind Bitcoin and the purpose behind like, I guess the other shit coins too. So um, yeah, I definitely recommend it. I think, you know, if you want to get somebody to read read it and kind of like onboard them that way and look over it it's not as intimidating as like handing somebody you know the bitcoin standard or or something like that um it's a quick thing that you could thumb through in a couple minutes and i think uh 
yeah, I, I really liked it. And I thought it was really, you know, good news. Um, and yeah, I kind of agree with your point this week. There wasn't too much Bitcoin news um, compared to last week, but um, yeah, this thing here, uh, definitely encouraging going forward. And Fidelity looks like to be, they want to be a player in the Bitcoin realm, huh? Yeah, uh, the same two co-authors. So it's funny because I don't know how many people actually work for Fidelity Digital Assets, which is their, their blockchain-specific group. But the same two co-authors had a section in their research roundup uh, paper that was released a few weeks ago. I think it was mid-January they released it. And they were much more one foot in Bitcoin, one foot in cryptocurrency, talked a little bit about NFTs in that paper. And this one is specifically saying, they're not saying they're all in on Bitcoin, right? But they're saying that if you're going to do cryptocurrency, like Bitcoin is, should be treated separately. Bitcoin should be treated as a monetary network. It shouldn't be treated as anything else. And they actually compare it to uh, Ethereum, which is the other reason I really like the paper. So if you've get if you got people, I've I've sent this to a few of my family members who just don't fully grasp that Bitcoin is this different entity and that you can't treat it. They read stuff about Ethereum or they read stuff about Solana, which we'll talk about in a few minutes uh, with the hack that they had this week. And they think that all of that is the same as Bitcoin. And so this paper does a really great job at just separating it out, saying why they think it's the best, why they don't think anything will supersede it in the future. And yeah, I think this is an awesome paper and it's really well done. You know, I, I, it's so easy to read and it's just, it's right there at that edge, you know, like a fifth grader is probably not going to understand it, but I, a, high, a, a high school student probably would understand this thing, right? Like it's not super complicated, but it still touches on the, the, the technical aspects of Bitcoin and how that, how it makes it different, right? They talk about the decentralization, they talk about the, the hard-coded supply cap. They talk about incentive-driven um, actions of miners and things like that. So it's just it's right there on that edge of being a white paper versus like kind of a review paper. So I was really happy to see this. And yeah, you got anything else to add or you want to jump to the next story? No, let's jump to ARC. What do you got on ARC? So this is, this is actually from last week. Um, ARC released their Big Ideas 2022 paper. I think they did a Big Ideas 2021 last year um, where they kind of covered the previous year. So I, I don't know if this is going to become an annual thing for them or not, but in their Big Ideas 2022, they kind of look back on 2021 and try to project what's going to happen in 2022. They identified, I think, five kind of key uh, parts of their portfolio that they're looking at. It was like AI, I think biotech was another one, or maybe it was genomics or something like that. But unsurprisingly, uh, blockchain was one of those things. And within blockchain, they had a nice uh, piece about Bitcoin. Again, this is it seems like with Fidelity, there was those two co-authors and they, they both seem very bullish on Bitcoin. I wonder how many people at Fidelity there are that are like more into the web three, that kind of stuff. And then the, I just imagine there's these two dudes that are like <laughs> talking about only Bitcoin. So I wonder if it's the same thing at ARC, although Kathy Wood seems pretty bullish on Bitcoin too. So I would imagine there's probably more people in ARC specifically focused on Bitcoin. But anyways, the, this particular analyst um, po pointed back at a few things, talked about the successful rollout of Taproot, which was one of the biggest changes to the Bitcoin uh, protocol that they've seen since 2017. 
talk about the scale up of uh, the Lightning Network, how there's been increased channel and uh, increased number of channels and increased usage of the Lightning Network. Uh, all of these things basically add up to Bitcoin's growing. It's 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 able to scale. They've shown successfully that they can scale the network and institutional adoptions at all time highs. Obviously, El Salvador adopted it as legal tender last September, uh, but also, we saw the rollout of a few ETFs that you alluded to earlier. Um, so yeah, institutional adoptions way up. The network is growing, so it's going to continue to benefit from network effects. And so they're very bullish on Bitcoin going forward. In fact, they say that uh, it's, it, it wouldn't surprise them if the market cap of Bitcoin scaled more than 25-fold in the next decade. So by 2032, they could see each uh, Bitcoin exceeding $1 million in value. What do you think? Yeah, so, um, you know, just overall about ARK and, and Kathy Wood, we saw Kathy Wood at the Florida Bitcoin and Blockchain Conference or Summit here in uh, Tampa, and uh, they're moving on down here. Um, so I'm very bullish on, on ARK, but it's been kind of hard lately because they're they're getting crushed in the, in the markets and everything like that. And uh, the more they're kind of coming out with this stuff, the less and less I'm, I'm bullish on them to be uh, that might be surprising to you, but, um, you know, when Kathy was talking at the uh, Florida Bitcoin and blockchain summit, um, she said when they first got into Bitcoin, they had somebody in the company who was, you know, very bullish on it and wouldn't stop talking about it. And then now they have people coming in and they're very bullish on NFTs and web three and things like that. Um, so I think that they're, kind of a company that unfortunately is looking at the um i don't even know how to word this like the next bright spot there they're like kind of they're like running after they're running on a treadmill after something that's in front of them essentially they're trying to find the next hot thing trying to find the next thing that's going to make them rich or whatever they're they're basically chasing after their own tail here and uh unfortunately like i i I appreciate that Kathy, what she's done for the space and everything like that. She's made it very mainstream a lot of times. Like, you know, I feel like there's a soundbite every time she gets in front of a camera about how she thinks Bitcoin's going to be $1 million, $10 million, $500 million or something like that. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said, they, they've always been bullish and very friendly to Bitcoin. And they're probably the biggest, you know, investment firm that's been uh, very vocal about Bitcoin, which is great. Um, but I'm just very cautious on ARC these days because of, uh, after, after what Kathy was saying at, at the Florida Bitcoin and blockchain summit, um, you know, being bullish on NFTs and, and other things like that. So, um, I'm hoping that they're kind of finding their path and doing maybe the, I don't know if it, I would call it the traditional Bitcoiner route where they get into Bitcoin, then they take a deep dive into shit coins and everything else. And then they maybe get burned or go through a rug pull or something. Then they come back to Bitcoin and then are Bitcoin only. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, like I said, I think uh, it's good for the overall space that uh, Arc's putting some publicity behind the Bitcoin um, network and, and uh, Bitcoin price, I guess too. Um, but overall I'm kind of wary on, on Arc these days. So I'm kind of, kind of backtrack in my position as a, a big ARC guy these days. The ARC Innovation ETF is down 51.7% in the last year. Yeah, I know. I own it. 
I'm well aware. <laughs> I'm just looking at all. Of, I'm looking at all of their ETFs, and they're all down by like 50. percent The only one that's not is their space exploration, which is only down uh, 21.5%. Yeah, so, I mean, to be honest, I, I look like an idiot holding these things. I might I might just cut my losses soon and just get out of it. But yeah, I own the ARK FinTech and the ARK Innovation ETF, not financial advice, of course. Um, and uh, yeah, don't follow my portfolio, on, especially on these picks, because these are very bad investments down 54% on the ARC FinTech and I'm down 56% on the ARC Innovation ETF. So Kathy Wood, I was all in on you and then uh, you kicked me right in the face. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But when you get kicked in the face like that, I can't, I can't keep vouching for you like that. You know, I mean, I'm losing money out here. What? So for those ETFs, for them to be down like that, I mean, it's just got, they're putting their money in what the wrong the wrong companies. Cause I think about innovation, especially in the Bitcoin space. And now I'm thinking like the, I'm in a couple miners and they're maybe down a little bit like HUD eight's cr- crushing me, unfortunately, but I got in at the very top of HUD eight um, on some bad advice from our buddies up North. And, but none of the, none of the other stuff, like I'm thinking Intel, Intel came out with a, with this news. I'm thinking Intel, uh, Intel's not down 50%. So I guess they're putting them in smaller, smaller cap companies, maybe that they think are going to grow. Yeah. Um, no, they put them, I don't know. I don't, we could dive in maybe on the stock market uh, um, one, if we want to dive into the like direct holdings of each ETF. Um, but uh, yeah, I know that they, you know, they, of course, they're very well known for going in on Tesla and that's basically being their largest, largest holding. Um, but uh, yeah, I can go to their website here and figure out, uh, you know, what's all in their, funds and and everything else so if you give we me can we can save second. it we could save it we could do an entire sec like series on just what's what is what's killing arcs etf right now <laughs> like why why are you losing yeah. so much money on arc oh yeah that'd be great yeah let's just hash into why i'm losing so much money that'd be outstanding okay yeah so the arc uh here, all right i'll go into it arc innovation etf the number one holding of course is tesla and then it's got Tesla, Teladoc, Zoom, uh, Roku, Coinbase, Exact Scientist, Unity Software, Intellitherapeutics, Spotify, and uh, Tewillo Inc. So, well, Coin- um, Coinbase has taken an, an absolute beating over the last few months, hasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I'm pulling um, it up now. And yeah, it's down 30% in the last three months or last month down 46 percent in the last three months coinbase i mean coinbase is just bombed dude yeah and so uh the uh, fintech space it's number one holding is square block which i love but uh you know I'm, i should just uh, get out of the etf and just continue to buy block and um, then it's got coinbase shopify twello again upath uh sea um, which our buddy at Young Money Cap broke down. He really likes that company. Teladoc Health, uh, Robinhood, which got absolutely trashed too. Um, Mech, I don't know how to say this, America Delibre Inc. And then Discovery LTD too. So, I mean, I don't know. Those are the top 10 holdings in each. Um, long story short, they have been killing me. So 
I can't log into my brokerage account and look at the ARK ETF because it just, you know, brings me sadness. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll do like a full stock breakdown of the, of the ARK ETFs maybe in the coming weeks. Uh, I think we're going to do Bitcoin miners this month for our, for our equities um, series, but let's jump into the next thing. The next thing just came out today. So I haven't really gotten a chance to read too much into it, but there was a bill uh, supposedly proposed that would eliminate a capital gains tax on relatively small BTC transactions. So any transaction less than $200 wouldn't be subjected to a capital gains tax. And I guess the purpose of this is to uh, facilitate smaller transactions, make it make Bitcoin a better uh, medium for exchange, right? Because at the moment, if you transfer any Bitcoin, then you're subjected to capital gains. It could be as small as $10 worth, but if you bought the Bitcoin at, let's say, $0.10, cents, you're going to be subjected to a capital gains tax. So uh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this, man. The problem is, is I don't really see myself anytime soon really buying things in Bitcoin. I know you and I have sent Bitcoin back and forth for a, a few times for various reasons, but I still don't really see myself taking my money out and, and buying things with Bitcoin. I'm, I, I, I'm going to get rid of the fiat while I can, to be honest. So I don't know how you, how you feel about this. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you on that point, but I think it's, you know, a step in the right direction as far as like Bitcoin adoption. You know, last week we had Arizona uh, file for Bitcoin as legal tender. Uh, you know, I had that super viral tweet while yours didn't do anything. Um, I think I had like close to 700 likes and 100 retweets. So if you want to go to my, uh, you know, my profile at bkeys1010, little shameless plug there, go ahead and check it out because I go viral and at PVO underscore Dan does not. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a step in the right direction. I don't think that, you know, maybe maybe some smaller restaurants will start uh, accepting Bitcoin and that'll be good for them. Um, I think it's more so I would look for it as bullish on like the merchant side, you know, to say like, Hey, we accept it, or maybe we only accept it under $200 or something like that. Or maybe they're, you know, you get a restaurant and they're like, well, we accept Bitcoin at everything. And then they're just going to pay the extra tax, um, you know, when it's above $200. So we'll see. I know like Tahini's restaurant as a gained a lot of proper popularity with our friends up north in Canada up there. And uh, yeah, I mean, maybe we'll see it become more widespread down here for smaller businesses. Uh, you know, it's definitely a tough time right now. I, I, I go to eat down the street uh, at this taco place that I like. Uh, and uh, they have a sign in the back uh, right behind the register, just a handwritten piece of paper that says, due to inflationary times caused by COVID-19, because yeah, that's what it was caused by, not the money printing or anything else, but uh, they've increased the prices across their menu. And, uh, you know, maybe they decide uh, they don't want to, because of all this, they don't want to raise their prices too much. They want to get on the Lightning Network, reduce the fees for payments, uh, things like that. You know, I could definitely see it, uh, a company like that or a small business, small restaurant, do something like that. Um, so I think overall it's, it's bullish for small businesses. And I think, you know, with, with the way Square's looking as uh, onboarding the Lightning Network with uh, Cash App, which we talked about last week, they could definitely become a merchant where, you know, a small business now that this, this bill is passed. If you want it, if you want to accept Bitcoin, we can now make it easier on you 
these small businesses like the taco shop that I went to has square. So, um, you know, they could just implement that easily. So, like I said, I think it's, it's really bullish for, for small businesses. I necessarily won't be doing that, but like maybe if I go to a restaurant and they accept it or something like that, I'd go buy Bitcoin right while I'm sitting there to pay them in it. You know, it doesn't matter to me whether or not, um, how they receive the money i'm just paying them out in fiat in my mind you know i'm not like all right this is a scheduled buy i buy you know every two weeks or every week every day however i'm doing it and then i'm sending them that i'm sending them fiat i just converted it to bitcoin for them and sent them that way that's how i would view it i think i think the big part of this too is that it reduces that the taxation part of it it reduces the friction there because for me a big part of anything is man, if I, if I buy something with it, it's technically a transaction. And then there's this, like, you know, how much of this am I going to have to report? How do I report it? How do I even gain access to this? And you talk about Cash App introducing the Lightning Network. Well, the other thing they rolled out was a tax filing feature. And so my, my bet would be that at some point, or probably not even at some point, Cash App and the team at Block is probably working hard to figure out an easy way to let people report uh, their Bitcoin holdings or their Bitcoin um, transaction history. So, look, it's bet you're back and forth on this. If you're if you're a real maxi, you're going to hate that this is a KYC thing. And uh, but at the end of the day, you know, if you do want mass adoption, th- this is just one one step along the way, right? So, making it just reducing that taxing that tax filing friction, I think, will help a lot of people. I know a lot of people I talk to, the tax thing is one of the first things they say, if you ask them, what's one thing you're worried about with Bitcoin? You know, they talk about volatility, of course, but the people that have accepted the volatility, the next thing they typically say is like, can I spend it? And if so, how do I report that? Do I have to report it? Is it trackable? Is it traceable? And the, the fact of the matter is, yeah, if you're on a KYC exchange, uh, or if you're, if you're holding KYC Bitcoin, then there are companies out there that the IRS can subpoena or hire or employ to, uh, to track things and, and you better believe that they're going to do it. Right. Like they'll come for their, they'll, they'll come for their money. I got a, a fat bonus last week. That was, uh, a significant amount of weight was cut from that fat bonus because the, the government will always get theirs. Right. So yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know. I think you're, I think you're right. I think you're right about increasing mass adoption. Uh, both through just Sick general brag on the bonus dude fat fat bonus got a quick uh a quick liposuction with with the government yeah. there and i just want to back up real quick too i know i know we use we use some bitcoin related phrases here sometimes like kyc and uh that's just basically know your customer and so what a kyc exchange is is something like coinbase or you know blockfi or you know, Celsius, whatever, um, where you can buy uh, crypto or Bitcoin, what have you, uh, but you have to know your, you have to enter in your information. So, you know, once you buy that, it's not necessarily private because that uh, transaction onto the blockchain is now linked to your name and and everything like that. And, you know, if a company like uh, Coinbase or something that's public uh, gets audited, uh, they have to report and give all your information and everything like that. So, um, you know, hold your own keys and do all that kind of stuff. Um, and privacy is a big deal. Um, but I know that, you know, there is some, some, uh, benefits to having, uh, you know, a, a 
something like a Coinbase where it makes it easier to onboard people before they kind of dig into the rabbit hole as well. But um, yeah, just kind of wanted to back that up and and uh, explain that for a sec. Yeah, that's a good point. If you do have a Cash App account, you know that you had to enter your information into Cash App. And then Cash App is the custodian of your Bitcoin. So you're technically, you, you're not, you don't own that Bitcoin. Um, Cash App owns it. And they're basically giving you an IOU. But then Cash App also keeps a record of all of your transactions, right? This is one of the reasons it's going to be so easy for them to help you with tax filing is because they're going to have, if you do everything through Cash App, they're going to have that entire history. And then you'll have like a W-2 or, or whatever other filing form, some 1099s, whatever you get. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where if you're spending in Bitcoin, Cash App's just going to be able to say, hey, you did this much in crypto. These are the current laws related to crypto. So you have to enter these, this amount here or they'll automatically enter it for you based on the data that they have. Um, but you, you're right. You know, the, the, the know your customer, the KYC stuff for the, the vast majority of people, they're just not going to be able to do the thing where they buy coins and then do it, go to a coin join and then transfer them to a hard wallet and, and all of these things where they hold their own keys and they've been coin joined. So those, those coins are a little bit harder to trace to them. And then if you're spending them, you're going through your own node and like the vast majority of people aren't going to be able to do that. So for, for true mass adoption, at, at least at this point, in my mind, I don't see us moving to a complete non KYC environment. Um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think that, I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I go back and forth on it all the time with these bills. There's so many bills proposed that just go nowhere. Like I don't, th- I'm, part of me thinks that it's not very difficult to, to propose a bill in our government because it seems like every other day they're like, Oh, a new bill proposed to do this. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Well, I think, uh, I think it's a little bit more than, you know, just the, the proposing of the bill. Right. I think it's like, all right, now it's out in the news. People know about it. It's getting to places where, you know, it wasn't necessarily there before. And you can't ignore Bitcoin. So I think it's not just the proposal of the bill. It's like, okay, well, now these people are going to have to review Bitcoin again. It's just like with all these people, you know, filing for a spot ETF. I think there was like seven or eight companies or, or something like that that filed and they just pushed that, pushed back Bitwise, um, you know, spot ETF filing again um, for the second time. And uh, they just, you know, they're going to keep having to review it, keep having to review it until finally, then it's like, all right, well, now I understand it. They had enough time. And then, you know, that one company that finally gets a spot ETF and gets, gets lucky. Right. So I think it's just, you know, getting these things in there and then maybe there's going to be a revision or a delay or something like that. But, you know, if it doesn't like, like we said, you know, the, just because the bill was proposed in Arizona for Bitcoin to become legal tender doesn't mean it's going to pass, but it makes an opening to say, okay, well, it doesn't pass in Arizona, maybe Texas, Florida, Wyoming, one of these other states is like, okay, well, let's let us, you know, try to compete with them. We want to be Bitcoin friendly. And then it just kind of starts a snowball effect where it's like, okay, now we have more than half the states vying for this or something like that. So, you know, we got to pass it. Or, you know, all these states are just kind of asking for it. All these people are asking for it. And then, like we've said before, it's becoming more of a talking point with politicians. They want to get reelected. They know if they pass some of these things that, you know, it's going to go well with the voters. It's going to go well with the Bitcoiners. So 
you know, I think it's it's a step in the right direction. It's not 100% there, but, you know, things just keep moving forward, which is what, you know, Bitcoin as a whole would love to see. Yeah, 100%. Uh, let's move on. This, this is my favorite story for the week. So uh, wormhole, Brandon, I don't know if you know what wormhole is, um, but wormhole is a popular cross cross blockchain bridge it was developed initially by a team at Solana or in, or in um, coordination with Solana to essentially allow you to move tokens across different blockchains, right? So suppose that you want to do something with Ethereum, but the Ethereum network is charging ridiculous gas fees or something. And so you want to leverage Solana's blockchain. You can move ETH over into Solana and vice versa, right? So that's what Wormhole is. Wormhole was uh, hacked to the tune of 320 million US dollars, uh, approximately 120,000 ETH. Uh, no one knows how they did it. <laughs> Essentially what happened was the hackers minted their own wrapped ETH on the Solana blockchain, and then were able to use that wrap, wrapped ETH to claim ETH. Uh, so there's essentially on the bridge a one-to-one -one ratio between these two assets or, or one token and one wrapped token. And so essentially what you do is to move it across this bridge, you'd have to wrap it. And then there's a one-to-one -one ratio that's guaranteed so that when it gets over on the other side, you have the ETH. Well, now uh, they are missing 120,000 ETH because these hackers figured out some exploit where they could mint their own wrapped ETH on the Solana blockchain. Um, this comes Brandon ready for this just less than one week after, uh, what network was it? The Quibit network was exploited for about $80 million, another DeFi platform. And, uh, this $320 million Solana hack or wormhole hack technically is the second largest DeFi hack, uh, in the history of DeFi second only to the attack that happened last August, uh, which hit the poly network for approximately $600 million. However, that 600 million was eventually returned. So, uh, yeah, man, 320 down the drain. Now, uh, Solana has come out or Wormhole rather has come out and said that they are adding more ETH to the bridge, I guess, to reestablish that one-to-one -one ratio. Uh, but man, I mean, what, like what's happening here? Like they, <laughs> like, 320 million gone if it wasn't replaced so suppose that the funding was super low or something just imagine i mean just imagine and and i don't know why the hackers decided to stop at 120k wrapped eth but if they could have gone up they could have bankrupted this entire thing and then anybody that has any funds on these would have just been wrecked absolutely wrecked um so yeah i don't know if you have any thoughts on this but man like mess around with shit coins and you get what you get i guess yeah, I mean, I think this is this is a uh, this is pretty funny. Not, I mean, I'm not funny. I don't think it's good that you know people are losing money. But the way I I vision this is is a lot of times you know when we're dicking around on Twitter and you know we're going at it and we tweet out from our GC account that we're launching an internal investigation, right? And it's just the two of us. That's how I imagine these guys are doing this. It's like, oh shit, we just got hacked. We launched lost 320 million. We're launching an internal investigation to figure out where this uh you know this money that just fucking popped out of nowhere and it just got taken off our platform oh wait well we'll just build more eth and put it onto the you know the blockchain so then it's fine you know we'll just create more money out of thin air so i mean like i don't understand the, these DeFi tokens i really don't um 
you know, I don't like even calling them DeFi because they're they're not, you know, decentralized finance is what, what it's supposed to stand for. They're obviously like centralized. So, um, you know, it's it's this. And then I've seen like, you know, OpenSea, aka OpenSeized, like our boy uh, Joey and Masa uh, like to call them, uh, that those platforms keep going down. And it's like, you know, it's just like every single week, I feel like there's something happening with these shit coins and people are getting rug pulled. And it's just going to keep on happening. I mean, like, this is nothing new. Um, you know, I, I don't like seeing people losing money or anything like that. But, you know, I, I'm going to have to launch an internal investigation and figure out why, like, all this money just disappeared from my bank account. I mean, that's how, like, that's basically what these people are doing. It's so fucking stupid and ridiculous. But, hey, you know, people are going to keep buying them. Um you know, we're going to come out with the green candle token. And then all of a sudden, you know, I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't even tell our, uh, our secret away, but we can come up with the green candle token, print out a million of them, make them worth, I don't know how much. And then uh, just all of a sudden, wait, green candle token doesn't exist anymore. And we got all these, all this money. So, I mean, like, really, it doesn't make any sense to me. And, uh, you know, I think it's just a matter of time before people kind of figure out that these shit coins aren't the way to go. Um, these exchanges like Coinbase's, BlockFi's, what have you, that have been making a lot of money off of these shit coins and, and the fees that they're charging for them um, are going to you know start to go under and it, it's going to be a race to the bottom because companies like Strike and, and other ones are just allowing you to purchase Bitcoin for extremely, extremely low cost. Um, you know, are just going to keep keep getting bigger and keep getting more wide stream. The more people get their rug the rug pulled out from underneath them. So, you know, it's not great. I don't like to see people losing money, but I mean, it's just like, come on, man. Like, what are you thinking? Yeah, agreed, hundred um, percent. I don't have this listed on our our sheet here. The next thing I have is uh, stuff about Arizona and and Texas and Mississippi, but I do want to get your thoughts on what we're seeing with DM right now. So Meta, formerly known as Facebook, recently announced the sale of DM, which was originally called Libra. And so you've got, it was, it was Libra when Facebook owned it and then they switched to DM and then Facebook rebranded to Meta. So anyways, Meta's DM, they're officially selling it. Uh, DM was their, it was their attempt at creating a stable coin. It was supposed to be pegged to the US dollar. And it just got so much pushback, not only from the public, but also from regulatory bodies. I, nobody trusts Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> nobody trusts Meta. And so when they said, we're going to roll out our own stable coin that you could use on our own apps, people are like, yeah, that's probably not a great idea. <laughs> so they're officially selling it. But here's the thing, Brandon. They're going to, obviously the metaverse is going to include like NFTs and that kind of shit. And you're, they're going to need some kind of token to buy those NFTs or to do whatever, go to, I'm going to this concert in the metaverse, or I'm going to buy real estate in the metaverse. They're going to want some kind of token, right? What are they going to use? Do you think my bet is obviously on something like Ethereum, but um, I don't know. Do you have any, do you have any thoughts? It's pretty clear that regulators aren't going to let them have their own. So they're going to have to adopt something. We saw Jack come out and tell them that they should focus more on Bitcoin. Do you think that they'll, um, you think they'll heed Jack's advice or no? Um, to be honest, I don't think so, but I think like they might get to the point where they have to. So 
Um, you know, we've kind of talked about uh, this on our stock stuff with our with our pal Young Money Cap. Um, today is actually a, a perfect day to talk about this because Facebook's earnings come out. They got crushed again, and they're talking about you know they're blaming Apple for ma- basically making their privacy uh, a little bit better on their iPhones and things like that. So you know Facebook can't scrape that metadata. So uh, but you know companies like Google and and the other fang stocks didn't really seem to have a problem but hey that's neither here nor there i didn't write their earnings report but uh yeah i mean there's a lot of things going back and forth about facebook today um i think that they'll have to you know like you said uh implement uh implement bitcoin as the payment system but essentially like this whole metaverse thing they're going all in and if you know there's other companies that are that are getting into it i know our friend young money cap has uh pointed out, you know, Microsoft is building towards it and uh, Apple is too. But, you know, at the end of the day, those two companies have other things to fall back on. Facebook is seemingly getting deep into this and they essentially, you know, are losing so much ad revenue from Apple increasing their privacy that they're basically just banking it all on the fact that in the metaverse, you can go walk around and then they could just put billboards or what have you everywhere full of ads. And, uh, you know, that's where you're going to, that's where they're going to make money because they could just strictly monetize that they have no middleman and they're eliminating that. But that also guarantees that, you know, or banks on the fact that a lot of people are going to be hanging out in the metaverse, sitting around and and doing all this stuff, working in the metaverse, doing something like that. Um, And so, you know, we've talked about this almost ad nauseum as as how we don't believe in the metaverse. All these big companies keep getting into it. I just think like this is just kind of pointing out the fact that, okay, Facebook has a chink in the armor and uh, nobody trusts them. And it's, you know, it's start of the demise of Facebook, in my opinion, um, with this quarterly earnings call. I think, you know, if I was a Facebook holder, I'd be very worried. I'm not, you know, obviously not, not financial advice, and I could be very wrong about it. Um, but I think that, you know, this whole metaverse thing and, and whether or not what to use in the payment system, NFTs in there, what have you, like, at the end of the day, people are going to have to hang out in there. They're going to have to want to buy things in there. They're going to have to want to, you know, purchase real estate, do whatever, do all that kind of things. And, uh, you know, at the, at, at the end of the day, I think people just want to go outside and ha- have a conversation, hang out with people. I, I don't think that that's lost. Um, you know, I'm, I'm down here in Florida and you're in Tennessee where things are fairly open. Um, so I know, you know, there's still shutdowns going on across the world. Uh, and that's unfortunate, but maybe the metaverse will work better in those places, uh, you know, for a little bit of time. But I think people are starting to wake up and be like, all right, you know, I I got the whole, you know, going outside and not wearing a mask and doing all this stuff taken away from me for a year or so. And I don't want to, you know, waste any of that time anymore. So I think the metaverse is kind of crock of shit. And uh I think uh, this whole Libra, DM, all this kind of stuff is just like a a mute point for a company that's kind of reaching for an apple at the top of the tree. It's never going to get there unless the apple falls right in their lap, which I don't think it's going to. So, I mean, we'll see. Um, uh, I'm just not very bullish on on Facebook, not very bullish on the metaverse. And uh, I don't think they're going to implement, you know, Bitcoin in there until it's basically too late and they're going to be, you know, trying to save themselves. Yeah, I agree with all of that hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's interesting to think 
if the world hadn't gone into lockdown and put people inside for so long for two years for basically two years right uh would they have come out with this like would it's interesting to think about how that changed things uh you know before i was in tennessee i was in alabama which remained relatively open you've been in florida for the whole thing and so i it's so weird to talk to people that were in even in the u.s that were in states that were completely locked down, like they actually seem much more open to these things and excited about them. Whereas people that were in states that stayed open and, and, um, and kind of continued as normal. Uh, most of us are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, <laughs> no, I don't want to put a headset on for eight hours a day and wander around um, some, some weird animated uh, fake reality. Fake reality is such an oxymoron, but yeah, it's interesting to see that. Uh, and it's sad too, you know, I even look, man, there's no one. I do you look up to people that sit around and play video games all day? No, you look up to people that are out doing things. Um, and the, you know, the people that are out doing things, by the way, that are pushing this kind of nonsense, they're not going to be in there with you. I guarantee you these people that are out making business moves and making money and, and creating things, they're not going to be in the metaverse with you. They're not right. So <laughs> Um, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I don't know. I hope it doesn't take off for the sake of humanity because I don't think it's a good thing. I think it'll lead to people sitting in dark rooms with a headset on for hours of their life when they should be outside getting exercise, hanging out with people, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, living the way that humans are supposed to be living, but we'll see. I also two and a half years ago would have told you that, um, people wouldn't, wouldn't, you know, bend over so easily and throw masks on for their entire lives and make it part of their personal identity. But here we are. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I agree with you hundred percent. And, and I, and I think like, you know, we, we've, we've beaten this down, uh, you know, a good bit in you know, our talks on the spaces and, and things like that. But I think at the end of the day, people just want human connection. And if they've kind of conceded already, like, hey, I'm going to have to stay inside and I'm not going to have that human connection, what's a way to have it? You know, we already have, you know, people who play video games with their friends and they have the headset on and they're talking to them. And I know of people that have made like friends through the, you know, through Xbox Live or something like that. And, you know, our, our, we've made, I would say decent friends with uh, Joey and Len from, you know, just on Twitter, never really meeting in person and things like that. So I think people think the metaverse might be a little bit more of a realistic thing than necessarily that, but I really don't see the use case for it. Um, well, I'll, hey, just, you know. I'll, I'll just, I'll say this first, first and foremost, I'll say this, Joey and Len are more colleagues. They're not really friends. They're, they're colleagues. Um, they, they stole a name from us. They, <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I like Joey and Len a lot. Um, Joey's publicly, no, fuck those guys. Joey's publicly disclosed his injury now. So I'll say, you know, I hope Joey heals up nicely. Uh, but there's zero chance that he'll win in a foot race against either of us. If he decides to show his face down in Miami for, for uh, Bitcoin 2022. Um, no, but more seriously, I mean, those people, yeah, I get it. I, you know, I, I use video games to connect with my, my two older brothers, they, one lives in, in, uh, well, they both live in different States. I went to schools where they live, but they live in different States. And so, you know, once, twice, uh, a month, we hop on call of duty and talk, talk shit to each other while we, um, play call of duty. And, 
you know, it's a way to, it's a way to have fun and, and stay in touch with them, but we're not spending eight hours every day doing it. Right. And you don't look up to people that spend hours upon hours playing video games every day. You know, one of the reasons we connect so nicely with Joey and Len and, you know, like, like BTC Gandalf, Bitcoin Gandalf, for example, is like, it's because we're all, all these people that we connect with really, we're all grinding, man. Like we're all working. We're all putting out shit. We're all creating things. We're not sitting around thinking about, you know, uh, you know, what, what's, uh, what's the, what's, is this, is this ape? Is this picture of an ape cool to you guys? Do you guys like this thing? Like how much ETH should I pay for it? That's not what we're doing. We're focused on building stuff, producing content, helping others, getting others involved in the space, having conversations, that's what we're doing. And that's why we connect with those guys. And those are the guys that you end up looking up to, you know, you don't end up looking up to the people that are eating a bag of Cheetos playing video games all night. So that's what I'll say. Hey, Here. I gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta do this really quick. Uh, I've got a chicken in the oven <laughs> right now. So let's do, I'm going to give you like uh, dude, you, like probably one minute is what you have to give a closing thought on this. And then we'll do a little break and then we'll go into our guest. So let's introduce. So why don't you introduce our guest? Then I'm going to go check on my chicken after you introduce him, and then we'll do some on chain. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I will do. Uh, we're we're also skipping some stories too. But oh yeah, plug uh, your story. Kinda... Plug your story. What a scumbag movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plug, plug your story. Yeah, I'll, I'll come on. I'll introduce our guest, and then I'll go check on my chicken. Then we'll do on chain. All right. So there's there's two things that I want to say. So first is um you know the the. A uh, point you made about looking up to people who sit and play video games for eight hours. I unfortunately think you're wrong about that. I think that there's a lot of kids out there that look up to, you know, big YouTube or big uh, Twitch streamers. Uh, esports is, you know, growing in popularity, but that's, I feel like that's like different than, than met the metaverse. You know, I feel like the metaverse is more like interaction opposed to like, actually like playing games in the metaverse I, I but you know i could be completely wrong about it maybe like those kinds of games become you know more widespread um but you know i see those kind of games where people put on like a headset and run into you know run around in like a treadmill that you could turn around and shoot a fake gun and do all that kind of stuff at like david busters and you know there's always people playing those but i would think nobody's going to want to play that for eight hours you know so um, you know, like I said, we'll, we'll see uh, with looking up at that. And then the other stories uh, that we got is, uh, you know, that the states are in the United States are kind of racing to adopt Bitcoin. You know, last week we detailed Arizona. We've talked about Texas uh, last week as well, how they um, were uh, basically making a, uh, you know, Dan was talking about how he loves academia and everything like that, how uh, they're making a research and they're funding all this academic stuff. You know, he's pointing to his uh, his three tiny degrees back there. He didn't blur them out this time. So you can tell he's uh, he's really proud of them. Um, but Texas has also been very friendly to Bitcoin miners. Uh, they have another candidate who um, is trying to make Texas the citadel for Bitcoin. Um, you know, then we have uh, Ohio, who has uh, Representative Warren Davidson, who's uh, come out and he's been dubbed uh, the crypto congressman by uh, Bitcoin magazine. Um, you know, we, we both write for BTC Times, so shameless plug. Um, so if you want the real better information, come check us out. Um, 
But uh, yeah, he's been pushing for Bitcoin to become legal tender. And uh, he wrote even a, an article, an opinion piece on the Hill um, about how he, you know, loves the privacy of the transactions that Bitcoin offers and uh, kind of compares it to cash in hand trans- transactions. So we have Arizona, Ohio, Mississippi, and our uh, Arizona, Ohio, and Texas, and Mississippi, who uh, now has a a congressman that proposes a Bitcoin and cryptocurrency bill as well. So, you know, we have four states now um, proposing various things um, related to Bitcoin and uh, crypto, I guess. And, uh, you know, we've also had some state mayors and, you know, Miami's also been very friendly and the state of Florida has been very friendly. And, uh, you know, Senator Loomis in Wyoming's also been very friendly to Bitcoin. So um, overall, very encouraging. Dan, quick thoughts before you go and get your chicken. Yeah, I love it. I love all of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, this is inevitable. We've been saying this since probably October or November in our spaces where look, people in these states are not, they're going to get fed up with the div- the constant debasement of their currency. Um, even people that don't pay attention, you know, like you and I were sitting here watching Jerome Powell come out and talk about rate raises and things like that. Even people that don't, they're going to the grocery store and they're seeing their prices go up. And if they need a new car or use, uh, you go for a used car, good fucking luck, man. Good luck being able to afford it because you're paying 40,000 for a three-year-old car with hundred thousand miles on it. So, you know, they're seeing this stuff and at some point they're going to get fed up with it and they're going to start thinking about what, what is money? Is there a better form of it? Because this U S dollar shit, it's not working. So I, you know, it's, it's only a matter of time. I think Texas, Texas, Arizona, Tennessee, Florida, these are the States that are probably going to go first. Ohio probably, probably will go um, second Ohio. I'm from Ohio. Let me tell you something about Ohio political without getting too political here, but just to tell you what, how the people of Ohio are, Ohio voted for uh, Reagan twice, then Bush, then Clinton twice. So they went, they went right, 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 left, left. And then they went Bush twice and then Obama twice and then Trump twice. So people want to say that all oh, these are red states that are doing this. Ohio's not a red state. Oh, dogs barking, dogs barking. Ohio is not a red state. Ohio is a state with, with people that are fed up with politics. They're, and and they're, they've never been more fed up with politics. And so I'm not too surprised to see Ohio here because not only are they fed up with, with politics, they're fed up with how politics get involved in their money, um, which is what's happening here. So it'll be interesting to see who, who the first state is to actually pull the trigger on this. But yeah, my guess would be probably Florida, if I had to guess, probably be Florida and then probably Texas then maybe Tennessee or Arizona and Ohio. So these are the states that you expect to see on the list. And don't let these people, don't let the people in the media tell you that these are red states doing this. Ohio voted for President Obama two terms in a row. So do not fall for the mainstream media when they tell you this. This is one of the things that frustrated me to no end uh, about the mainstream media is how they talked about the people of Ohio when they uh, switch switch sides apparently um, over to Trump. Like, it's not because a bunch of people in Ohio are, are, you know, hardcore conservatives. They're just fed up with politics. And at the moment, they're probably fed up with how politics is getting involved in the value of their dollar. So I'm not surprised to see Ohio on this list, and I'm happy to see it. All right. Before I go check my chicken, which I need to do, <laughs> I want to introduce 
our very special guest. Our the, uh, well, we had we had Nick and uh, the Canadian podcasters, the Canadian Bitcoiner, the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast co-host Joey and Len on the pod on Monday, which you should check out. But this week we have uh, a very special guest, Dan Wedge uh, of Wedge Social. <laughs> Dan Wedge, we had we had some back and forth with Mister Wedge. Uh, about ketchup chips, and this was particularly Brandon. Uh, now, Wedge is a diehard ketchup chip fan. Brandon bought some ketchup chips and was not a big fan, and so these two go at it for a few minutes, and then after this interview, we'll uh, jump back into some on-chain. So here is our interview with Dan Wedge. Whoosh. Break. All right, I'm going to go check my chicken. Bing bong. What's up, everybody? We've got a special guest today, uh, Dan Wedge at Wedge Social. And we had a bit, I say we, is really Brandon tweeting from our account, had a little uh, back and forth with Mr. Wedge here about ketchup chips, which I had never even heard of, but are apparently a... Uh, a i don't know like a common cuisine in canada so i'm gonna let you two work this thing out i was completely uninvolved in the argument uh so brandon and uh dan wedge take it away yeah so uh so yeah we wedge and and uh, the green candle account and my personal account have been interacting back and forth uh i don't know for the past couple of days um, so we have uh, just a little backstory. We have a relationship with the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast. If you know us, you probably know that you know we tweet back and forth. We've been on that podcast and everything like that. And uh, I guess to uh, my surprise, ketchup chips are deemed by some Canadians as a national treasure and others hate them. Um, and I've never really, like Dan said, I never really heard about them down here in the United States. So um Dan uh, Wedge here at Wedge Social, he told me that I needed to try them. And I looked everywhere. Uh, I couldn't find them anywhere. And I had to go and I could only have, I think I had two options, Old Dutch or Lay's. So I had to buy a giant box of Old Dutch ketchup chips. And I did a hungover review um, after uh, Gasparilla here in Tampa. And I believe I gave them a 2.4. They were atrocious. But, you know, I'm here to hear Wedge's point. He said he, he did some boots on the ground research. I saw his, uh, his tweet earlier today. Uh, you, can, you can talk a little bit about that research and what, what all went into it. And uh, let's, get, let's get going. Try to prove me wrong. I, I mean, I don't know. There, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of seasoning on it. And uh, the chips are all right. The seasoning is just way too much. And it's just, I don't know. It tastes like. 10 times worse than a normal barbecue chip. That's the only thing I could kind of compare it to. So Wedge, show me the light on these ketchup chips, please, because I have two bo- two bags full of them and I need to eat them. All right, yeah. Um, I don't know what to say about them. First of all, thanks for having me on here. Um, but the ketchup chip, it's just, it's, um, I found out it's you either love it or you hate it. It's pretty much like a salt and vinegar chip, but a little bit more vinegar. I don't know. It's, it's just something else. Oh man. See, like the face just says it all. And I'm sorry. You don't I, like tell you what, um, if you want, I'll send you the socius for what you paid for him. Yeah. Cause like, no, it's, just... it's fine. It was worth the content. It was only, 
It was not bad on Amazon. If anybody wants to buy them in the U.S., they're like 12 bucks. For But you know what? You might get some stale chips that are sitting there. It's a big-ass box. Yeah. No, like, immediately one of the guys at work was like, you got to get the Lay's ones. I'm like, they're only limited time. Like, I've got one, maybe two bags left. I hoard them. Like, I'm a big – I'm a ketchup connoisseur for the chips. Um, and then also, like, I don't know if you know, but, like – Furthermore, the Ketchup Patriots actually a big thing in Canada. Yeah. What is oh, yeah. it? What is a Ketchup Patriot? What is this? So, in why like, what, do we do we just need to stop shipping you guys tomatoes and potatoes? Like, what what are you guys doing up there? That was the whole point of it. They uh, Heinz shut down a tomato plant in uh, southern Ontario, and uh, a Canadian company made it in, and they ended up taking like five percent out of the out of uh, Heinz's pocket. Uh, in the like whole country sales and like it was a big big thing like chains were switching over to using like you know french's ketchup instead of heinz i don't know if i can use their names on whatever but uh, yeah yeah send us a check yeah maybe better ketchup chips for you i don't know um but yeah better ketchup chips there's got to be better chips than this (laughs) i swear what what do you what do you what would you eat then like what? What's the? Oh, I'm reaching for this uh, as they're tossing the ball. So I'm I'm like a Miss Vicky's guy. So I'll go. Mm. I'll get the jalapeno, the salt and vinegar, and uh, and then you know every now and then if I want to mix it up a little, bingo, bango. I'm a big barbecue chip guy too. Um, I deal with. I like the lays. Sometimes if I'm trying to feel healthy, I like those. Uh, you know the the reduced fat, the thirty percent ones, the, <laughs> the the those ones at the subway or something like that, but. You know, I like chips. I like the mm. crunch. It's just it, I, this one, to be honest, it's way too much of the seasoning. It gets everywhere. I brought four paper towels just to sit here and just eat these on camera. But what? What's the yeah. seasoning? What's the seasoning though? Is it like tomatoey? Like it? It's bread. It, it's like, like this thing. Yeah, it's stain your fingers. Listening to the audio. Yeah, it stains your fingers like bad. Oh man! Like I've licked my finger. I've I already used a full paper towel. I've eaten like five chips. Wow! Like it's good outside barbecue stuff. Like nostalgia. I don't know. Yeah, I gotcha. So it's like I, I from what my understanding. Tell me if I'm wrong. It's kind of <laughs> like a thing you eat when you're a kid, and uh, it's like yeah, you you get the nostalgia factor in there. It's almost like a Chef Boyardee ravioli, which I had hung over the other day, which was a little bit better than these ketchup chips. I'm not gonna lie to you, not great, but it was a little bit better. Yeah, it's along the same kind of lines. Yeah, it's got that kind of tomatoey thing, but like like my my kids call them Canada chips. Like we eat them only in the in the summer. Like. Don't ask me how or why, but like they're just like break fire engine red and they get over everything. So, oh, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. All right. So, tell us about this tweet you had where you went boots on the ground research. How many people said that they love uh, ketchup chips and how many people hated them? How did you conduct this poll? What kind of research went into it? And what drove you to, to go to bat for ketchup chips and become the national spokesperson? for ketchup chips um so the poll it's just like uh i work uh in a parts department one of the big three um so we've got just a counter on the back and the guys just throw random questions like it wouldn't have been out of the blue kind of thing to to see worse questions like that so i just toss that out there 
Um, I'd say 95% of the responses are from one guy. I, I, didn't, I didn't actually put more than one check. But yeah, so like it's a love or hate kind of thing. And then I have no idea. Like you see the people dipping chips and ketchup. That's, I don't know what that is at all. But we'll, we'll leave that if you want to go in and Look, see more I'll, about that. I'll, I'll, say, I'll say two things about this. First of all, the 95% from a single person makes me think that you wrote down 95% of those answers. <laughs> And there were, there were roughly a hundred responses, it looks like. So maybe five other people, <laughs> four other people. Yeah, there, there, there's probably 10 guys. Um, like there was one other guy in the shop who was like, yeah, ketchup chips. Like you can see his writing all over the place there. But yeah. no, I didn't cheat on that one. It was just <laughs> like, it, it just proves the fanaticism of it. It's either all or none. So I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this like for in, at least in the US, we we dip our, I know in Canada, you guys just smother uh your french fries and gravy but in the u.s it's very common to dip french fries in ketchup very very common what we dip our chips in though nine times out of ten is um what is it brand it's like a sour cream and onion dick dip (laughs) Dip, yeah i mean like it's it's hard to say though because like we do like you know i mean tex-mex is very popular in the south uh southern united states and that's you know I mean, it's not ketchup, but it's salsa, so it has tomatoes. It's just not, like, as sweet. So I don't really see the, I guess, the drive or the pull to this this whole ketchup chip movement. But, you know, I guess to each their own. I thought they were terrible. I would never order these again. But I guess, like you said, they're Canada's chips. Um, I haven't had poutine before, to be honest. I'm also lactose intolerant, so I can't eat, I can't eat the cheese. And the gravy would probably kill my stomach, so... I don't know. I don't know if I'm I'm all in on these Canadian cu- cuisines. I mean, in the United States, there's one thing that we do know is that we do know our junk food. I mean, if you just yeah. look at our numbers here, like you can't you can't uh, you can't doubt that you, the U.S. knows junk food. So, um, all right, enough with these ketchup chips. Wedge, tell us a little bit about yourself. We started interacting with you recently. Um, you know, I think you've probably found us through the Canadian Bitcoiners guys. Um, you know, tell us how you got into this, how you got into the Bitcoin realm and, and uh, how you, uh, I guess, how you got your uh, Twitter game started. All right. Um, I don't know. Uh, real quick, I've been trading forever in the stock market. Um, I got burnt eventually after about 08. Uh, that was fun. That was a good learning lesson. Um, but beyond that, uh, kind of got into social media. I was running it, uh, in, in Calgary for a while. Uh, that's kind of like above Montana for anyone who's kind of listening in the greater U S I don't know if you guys know where Calgary is, but anyways, um, <clears throat> so kind of did a lot of social media that way. Um, got a big handle, but then, uh, saw a different opportunity flew across crunchy and kind of went dormant for five years. Um, heard about crypto somewhere in there, but like I said, had been burned pretty bad. So I wasn't going on any more volatility. And so I just kind of, you know, sat back and did very, very kind of basic stuff as far as my investing went. Um, and then in March kind of saw, you know, this Bitcoin thing again going and I had to kind of get into it, see what it was all about. You know, I tossed, you know, a couple hundred bucks at it just to see, you know, like a vending machine I found around the corner kind of thing and started learning. And that's kind of where I kind of got to. And then, yeah, found you guys through 
uh, all the listening I do and everything through the Canadian Bitcoiners and et cetera, you know, the uh, Friday nights, uh, I listen to you guys while I'm cooking dinner, having a beer. It's great stuff. So um, honestly, uh, I'm listening to you more for your stock tips more than anything else. Uh, or at least, uh, sorry, uh, your anal- an- analysis, because uh, I don't have time for that. And uh, it's really easy read, and I appreciate it. So that, that's kind of where I'm at and where I found you guys. Awesome, man. That, that's, a, that's a cool story. You don't have to get into any specifics, but I'm just kind of wondering, this is going to go on our, our, um, our Bitcoin pod. So it, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about kind of the macro. You, you know, you said you got burned in 08. Do you see any similarities between the macro environment now and what we had in 08? You know, Brandon and I were both, I don't know, Brandon, how old were you? I was young, man, in 08. I was, I was not even in high school yet. Um, or no, I was just you were in, we were in high school. Yeah. I, I was just I was a freshman in high, in high school. Yeah. Yeah. So, so obviously we weren't trading um, and probably weren't paying attention to the macro environment outside of how it affected us in our own households. Um, so do you see any similarities between the current environment and what we had back then? I know, you know, there's a lot of people saying that we're in asset bubbles. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. Like it was my first, like I was investing in, in uh, oil and diamond. Uh, small cap stuff in Canada. And so like, um, a, a, as a Canadian, it, it's absolutely wonderful to watch our dollar be just horrible and sell you guys stuff. It's wonderful. It's great arbitrage. It, it's, it's fantastic. Um, you know, now where I'm at, I'm, I'm like, I'm pretty much next to the States and it's not as fun when I have to crow across and do stuff. I, I like that more parody, but, uh, yeah, back in the day, uh, just previous to that, when everything was ripping, it was really fun just to, to kind of see that going through. Um, but yeah, I kind of, you know, I kind of held on to everything at the end of it and just kind of went through it. Uh, I was good learning, um, got bought out and kind of just sat out for a while. Um, as far as what I kind of see going on now, I think it's just jitters. I, I don't know. I don't see any big movements. I, I, I think we're going to, st- we might see something a little bit more from the Fed on your guys' side, but I, I can't see it happening. Like everyone I talk to, like they're on their edge of their mortgages if if they have one. And I, I can't see in Canada or down down with you guys anything really changing with that. Like um, I, I think it's gonna be a delicate dance and I I, I don't know where it's gonna end up going, but I it, I don't see the same similarities. Um, because it was a it was a sudden halt way back way back then I felt like yeah I mean uh, you know we we've kind of talked about this a couple of times um, but I think uh, you know Bitcoiners who follow the stock market are kind of in this weird um, weird place because at least on Twitter and a lot of the FinTwit people that I interact with think that. You know that they seem to believe that the Fed knows what they're doing and that that they're going to figure this out, and it's not as inflationary as as a lot of the Bitcoiners believe it to be. Um, you know, being somebody that's coming from that profession, uh, but kind of found uh, your way into the Bitcoin realm and and Bitcoin Twitter, obviously, you know, at, at least the weeds of it where you found us. Um, are you kind of seeing that where you're? Uh, you know, some maybe of your former colleagues or, or people in the industry that you know um, are kind of thinking one way and that, you know, people that you're listening to on, you know, whether it's our spaces or, or wherever else um, you get your Bitcoin related stuff are thinking another way. 
Sorry, man. You you broke up about halfway through there. Um, okay. I got like I missed the whole half front of the half yeah. question. Sorry. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll get it in real quick. But basically, I was saying that uh, you know we've noticed that a lot of people on the financial Twitter um, see uh, the Fed as like somebody that that they know what they're doing and they're going to find their way out of it. They don't believe that necessarily this inflation is is affecting the stock market as drastically as maybe a lot of Bitcoin Twitter thinks. Um, and as you've kind of, you know, have an interesting outlook on it where you used to, you know, trade equities and things like that, and you found your way into Bitcoin. Um, are you noticing that a lot of your former colleagues or, you know, friends that you knew in, in the industry or what have you are thinking one way about it, whereas like Bitcoin Twitter and everywhere else is thinking another way? Um, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I, uh, I feel like a lot of it, uh, the other guys I'm talking to are, are much more um, optimistic on what's kind of going on. I, I, I'm, I'm with you on the inflation. I, I don't see it going like, I don't know, uh, like the, the safer stuff. You're, you're barely getting seven percent, so you're, you're breaking even at the end of the year, and it's, and you're, you're trying to work for it. It's not, it's not making any sense. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think that. Uh, this kind of hiccup here, or whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I don't think that it's going to be the, the last one, but I, I don't think it's going to be the, the end of this. I, I think we're still, uh, you know, still number goes up a little bit, whatever that, that means to you. Yeah, I think it was Moss on our spaces last week who was saying to even get that 7%, you basically have to, you have to do a ton of research in your spare time. You basically have to be a professional trader to get that 7%. And that's not what it's supposed to be, right? Like you're supposed to have your job. You're supposed to earn your money once, not twice. And at this point, it's like, you got to earn your money and then you have to invest it. And you really can't even just track the cues or anything like that anymore. You can't even put it into an S&P tracker to beat inflation. You need <laughs> to basically be a professional, uh, a professional trader um, in your spare time, which is difficult. Like, you know, it's interesting to maybe people like us, but to a lot of people, especially people with families and their own nine to five, they don't want to come home and spend hours uh, looking at companies and breaking down the most recent quarterly reports and things like that. So it's interesting times, you know, at, at least in the U.S., Brandon, and I talk about this all the time. We're coming up on a midterm election year and we just we don't see them letting the market tank in 2022. So I don't know. We'll we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Um but Dan, man, thanks so much for joining us. I want to um, want to kind of wrap this thing up, but I want to give you one last chance. If you had to tell anybody uh, why we should be eating ketchup chips, just like it's just like a quick one sentence thing, why you should eat ketchup chips, go for it. They're simply the best chip. If if they're your thing, man, like that's all you got. <laughs> wow. Well, wow, I thought he wasn't going to have anything and I was going to say this thing. <laughs> silence is deafening, but he came, I mean, he came with it. He came with it. All right. Hey, uh, Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Tell people where they can um, kind of find you. I know we've got your, your uh, Twitter page linked here on your, on your, uh, your screen, but uh, anything else you got going on? You got any kind of um, content you're putting out? Just go ahead and plug it. Yeah. Um, best place to find me is wedge social uh, on Twitter. Um I, on the side, I'm starting to do some, you know, gardening stuff. If you're interested in that, ask me about it. But other than that, don't worry about that. But uh, yeah, Wedge Social is the best place to do it. And uh, again, right. thanks, guys.
Oh, no, Wedge, thank you. You've been very generous with your time, and we look forward to interacting with you more. Uh, we, we can get definitely get you up on the Friday spaces, and uh, I will not be eating any more ketchup. I, the only time I'm going to eat these ketchup chips now is like when I'm interacting with you just because I have to get rid of them, or else I'm going to waste all these. Uh, the Canadian National Treasure is going to go stale in my uh, pantry over here. Oh, man, just just get rid of them. I, I don't want to I don't want to see you in pain every time. <laughs> 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 I think the people love the pain. <laughs> and we are back. All right. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Wedge. I think he's completely wrong. I've never tasted a potato chip, but I can tell you this much. They look disgusting. And uh, I have eaten a full tomato, as everybody knows. Uh, they saw it on Twitter. Uh, which is much more difficult, by the way, Brandon, than eating a few ketchup chips. I'll just tell you that. So the guy that does it all for content has not eaten a full a full tomato, and I have. Uh, but yeah, all right. What um, what do you think? That was a good interview, huh? Yeah, I mean, uh, Wedge very strongly opinionated on his uh, ketchup chips. Uh, you didn't have to eat those ketchup chips hungover. You ate a small cherry tomato uh, while drunk. So I mean. Yeah, if you if you want to say you're dedicated to content, go ahead. Like, you know, I, you probably won't do the cinnamon challenge or anything like that for content. So, um, you know, I I'm just throwing some ideas out there for you next time. Like our spaces don't pop off, and uh, it's 100 your fault. But you know, uh, you, yeah, wedge potato wedge social. He's a good guy. Uh, he comes at us left and right on Twitter. So if you if you uh, if you want to see us banter back and forth, go ahead and give him a follow um, at Wedge Social. You know what I did, actually, um, when I was in high school? I did the, is it eight saltine crackers or six? I can't remember, but I did the saltine cracker challenge, and I actually completed it. I don't know how many how many crackers it is, to be honest. I think it was eight. I think I ate eight. One. I think I ate eight of those saltine crackers in a minute. Let me see. Saltine challenge. Which and it was bad. I mean, it was tough. It was really tough, but I powered through. Oh, I'm sure it was tough. Yeah, um, it is uh, sixty seconds to eat six. Oh, so maybe it was six without drinking it. Yeah, yeah. So at least that's what it says on Wikipedia. You can trust everything on Wikipedia. All right, let's jump into some on chain. I don't have much on chain. Obviously, price is still low. The one thing I did want to talk about was that. Um, difficulty for mining was was way up all-time high actually for difficulty of course if difficulty is high and price is low the miners are getting absolutely screwed here um so yeah i did, did just want to touch on that i don't know I, to be honest brandon the on-chain stuff i haven't really looked at too closely this week just because well as soon as you get uh, you just start getting into this as soon as you're dca and you just stop you stop really caring about this stuff um, but let's take a look at SAPR. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, the the price has been, you know, like we said last week, the price has been kind of stagnant. Um, I know you're talking about the difficulty rate, rate for Bitcoin miners. Uh, I'll tease our other show, the Sunday Scaries uh, Stock Talk. We're going to be releasing that in audio and video form. So if you're catching us on YouTube, it's in the same channel. If you're catching us on uh, your you know, your favorite podcast player, we're going to have a completely separate podcast. Uh, so if you go to our Twitter or something, we'll tweet it out. So follow us at, at Green Candle IT to check it out there. But yeah, um, 
you know, we've been kind of just floating around this, like this region of 38, 37 to 44. Um, and uh, yeah, I just think like, I, I mean, it just seems like there was one big move down and then it's just kind of like been a slow climb back up and there hasn't really been the big giant, you know, 10% days, 10% plus days that we're used to seeing in Bitcoin bull runs. So that makes it like difficult to kind of get excited about these on-chain metrics. You know, it's kind of like, well, it's, it's the same thing. Um, there are some encouraging things that we've been seeing. I know, you know, we've been detailing SOPR showing that not a lot of people are like losing and getting wrecked um, and selling off and, and losing a lot of money. So, you know, I, th I think like, like we've said, uh, one, we don't have, uh, you know, the, the bigger tier metrics and two, like, uh, um, like it's, it's just kind of floating there. Like there's no big moves going. If it's going up, it's always fun to watch. I mean, I've, I like to watch it. And, you know, when we have this group message going to that, if, you know, Bitcoin goes up like a 2% in a minute or something like that, we're all like, oh shit, like, let's go check it out. And usually it kind of levels off and goes back down to, you know, that's just kind of how it, how it's been going. Dude, that, um, that pisses me off so much because it'll jump up. So I'll, I, like I said, I don't even really look at the price that much anymore. And I'll get a message in that group. That's like, oh, Bitcoin's popping off and I'll pull it up and it's up like 800 bucks. And I'm like, guys, this is well within, this is like well within the error range of it just going up and down. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that I'll open it. It'll be up three grand. And the other thing too, though, Brandon is like, does it really, does it really matter anymore? Cause if it, even if it's up three grand, yeah, I get to pat myself on the back, but I'm not selling to take profit. So I don't know. I just keep stacking. And the more I do, like the less I'm interested in a lot of these on-chain metrics, some of the stuff I am interested in is the mining stuff, just because God help me. If I get a house, I might be thinking about getting a miner. Um, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta get a full node running before I jump into mining. And I obviously need a house. I can't be in a rental with a, with a miner going. I got two neighbors that probably wouldn't be happy about it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe happy about your miner in your house, huh? I'm not, I'm not in uh, downtown Manhattan in, in a mansion that I bought for a hundred bucks. Yo, I, I don't know. I, the, you know, the on-chain stuff, both, I don't know. Our audience probably knows this by now. We're, you know, Brandon, you're, you're a data analyst and I'm a, I'm a data analyst, data scientist. And the, the data is one thing, but when you've got this much stuff going on off chain, when you've got countries adopting it, like El Salvador has, when you've got um, constant U.S. politicians talking about it, when you've got athletes taking it as salary, when you've got uh, all of these things going on, it's hard to look at the on-chain stuff and be like, oh, this is what's really important. Of course, you know, you can look at it and try to make predictions, but uh, at the end of the day, when you're trying to roll out a new monetary system, yeah, you want to know like what the volume is and, and things like that. But you also want to know what's the political landscape like, what's Russia doing? Like Russia, Russia's central bank said that they should ban it. And Putin came out and said, no, we're not doing that actually. Like that's, that's the important stuff to me. So even as, as a data oriented person, I'm, I'm starting to care a lot more about the off chain stuff. And I'm starting to think, especially at this moment in time, that's, what's most important. Well, yeah. I mean, it just kind of goes back to, you know, what Warren Buffett says is like, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, 
they, they evaluate companies and they try to get it at a cheap price and things like that. But they look at the underlying fundamentals of the companies. Like, is it a good business, right? So that's kind of how I look at Bitcoin is like, what are the underlying fundamentals of Bitcoin, right? We have all this great off-chain news going on and, you know, everything that is going around Bitcoin is seemingly blowing up. It's just the price isn't necessarily reflective of that just yet. And, you know, that that's fine because I, you know, have strong conviction in my investment. And I think that, um, you know, over time, it's, it's going to pay off for me. So like you said, I think like worrying about the price right now, it's like, you know, you invest in Apple, like right before the dip or right before the COVID crash or something like that. Right. You know, Apple's going to come back and I'm sure, you know, I don't know, I don't have the chart in front of me, but I'm sure it's done well before, um, you know, well before it's like March, 2020 days. So, um, it's the same kind of deal. And that's kind of how I view it. Right. Is like, all right, the price might ne not necessarily be exactly where I think it should be right now, but at the end of the day, it's uh, it's going to get there. And, you know, I have a long time horizon on this. I'm not day trading it. I'm not trying to get in or out or anything like that. So it's going to take time and, you know, maybe it takes a little bit longer than I thought. And, you know, I guess if that happens, so be it, but you know, I think I still believe in the investment and I, and nothing's changed on that. So I agree with you a hundred percent. Um, unless you got anything else you want to wrap. I want, I'll say one more thing and then, and then we can wrap it up last week on our spaces, or maybe it was, I think it was last week on our spaces. We were talking to, um, uh, obviously a bunch of people, but Masa, our buddy Masa capital, um, brought up the point that you shouldn't have to earn your money and then go home and spend hours trying to figure out how to invest your money so that you can keep up with inflation, right? You, you shouldn't have to earn your money twice. You should earn your money, and then you should expect that that money is going to keep its value over time. The US dollar is not a way to do that. And so one of the great things about Bitcoin that I'm just realizing while, I'm, while we're sitting here talking about this is like, I hourly cost average into Bitcoin, and I don't even think about the price. And that you DCA into it, I'm pretty sure I don't want to um, docs your, your buying strategy, but you know, we buy into it because we we're thinking long-term we're thinking next decade, two decades out into the future. And so we're not worried about the price movement. We, we believe in this thing hundred percent. And look, if, 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 uh, if the U S dollar was a strong store of value, we'd be doing the same thing. We'd just be holding dollars. We'd be putting in our savings account the way that we're DCAing into uh, Bitcoin. Um, and so I, I don't know, it, was a, it just kind of hit me out of nowhere. I'm about six beers deep and, and just reminiscing on our, uh, our spaces from last week. I think you're cutting up a few of the, uh, spaces conversations now, and those will be available to you soon, but yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting to think about. Yeah. You just, the stronger you believe in it and the more you just DCA into it, the less you care about this on-chain stuff. And you're just sitting here basically thinking, unless you're looking to smash by, you know, if you think if you've got some metrics, you say, oh, if this dips down here, then I'll smash by a little bit more. I'll up my DCA or whatever the case is, which is a perfectly reasonable approach. Uh, but yeah, man, it's like I'm I'm ha I'm happy where I am. I'm not going to change my buying patterns. So, all right, let, let's uh, let's wrap this thing. It's been it's been uh, oh, especially with Wedge. Wedge talked for like 20 minutes about potato chips. By the way, uh, comment down below if you want to see Wedge as a repeating guest. And you don't even actually have to comment because we're going to have my <laughs> repeating guest. Uh, he's going to be our, our uh, boots on the ground chip 
chip connoisseur. He, I think he actually described himself as a chip connoisseur. So what Dan wedge will be our, our, uh, our potato wedge chip connoisseur. He'll be on every few weeks for a, uh, when the chips are down boots on the ground chip review or, or something like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was a great guest. We appreciate wedge for his time. Um, I think he like stepped away from uh, tucking in his kids and was just whispering on his phone too for a little bit of it as well. But uh, he also conducted a, a live interview or a, a poll in his office on ketchup chips as well. So we detail everything on that. I mean, this guy, you know, he does it all for content too. So uh, yeah, I loved having Wedge on and look forward to having him back uh, in the future. But yeah, um, you know, I'm Brandon. This is Dan. Uh, co-founders of Green Candle, co-hosts here. Uh, we're coming to you live every week on uh, the state of Bitcoin. Uh, maybe we'll mix in another bonus episode here or there during the week, but every Friday we'll drop these uh, where we'll detail on and off-chain news. Uh, subscribe to our newsletter where we're writing about all this stuff, maybe a little bit more in depth. Um, we're linking to some of the articles and things like that uh, at Green Candle. Uh, dot substack dot or at green candle investments dot substack dot com and then follow us on twitter and instagram at green candle it subscribe to the youtube channel subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast player give us a five-star review join us on the 4 30 p.m eastern time friday happy uh, bitcoin happy hour spaces join us on the tuesday night 8 p.m. Eastern time, uh, stock market spaces. What else am I missing, Dan? We got a lot going on. Dude. We're putting out a lot of content. Just follow us and uh, you can find out what we're doing. Yeah, it's getting hard. It's getting hard to remember all the shit you have to plug at the end because we're we're doing a ton. Hey, we're grinding it out for the culture, for, th for the listeners, for the fans. Uh, we're here for the fans. You know, we're not we're not going to be pulling our content off of any of these platforms. In fact, we're expanding. We're going on to every platform. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I think the best way to follow us is just hit us up on Twitter um, because I, we post everything on Twitter. That's our, our main outlet right now. And we're going to try to get a little more active on Reddit too. Hey, if you know anything about Reddit, hit us up because we're trying to figure out Reddit and uh, we're having a hard time. People are kicking us off because we're promoting our own content. So if you are a... Okay, you know, I wish Brandon that Dan Wedge was a a Reddit connoisseur instead of a, a ketchup chip connoisseur. If he would have just directed his time and efforts into something a little more valuable, I think we could have really made use of him. But instead, we're just sitting here using him for chip content, which is maybe a waste, maybe a waste of effort. I don't know. The chips are down. Hey, when the All chips right, are, let's, yeah, let's roll out. Yeah, let's let's wrap it up. All right, hey, follow us on Twitter. Most uh, most importantly, but. While you're here on YouTube, give us a like, subscribe to our channel, click the bell, leave a comment. And uh, yeah. These ketchup hey. sips are fucking disgusting. <laughs> yeah. And if you're watching this Friday before 4.30 p.m. Eastern, jump on the spaces at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. It's going to be an absolute banger. All right, Brandon, I'll see you next week. Later, boss. <laughs>